You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name, it's Andrew Mackay-Smith. Hope you're well. The interview subject that I have coming up for you, it's Joshua Ratcliffe, and he's from an outfit, a progressive metal outfit called Chaos Over Cosmos. These guys are really interesting. Josh actually contacted me over email and asked if he could come onto the podcast series, and you'll find out why I've uh, I've invited him onto the show, actually, through the conversation, so I won't spoil that there, but... You know, they're really interesting for this reason alone, in that Josh is right here, he's an Aussie, he's not too far away from me, and Raf, the guitarist in the band, is based in Poland. You'll hear about how they pull it all together and how they make it work through the conversation. Not only that, but because I'm talking to a fellow Aussie, we tend to go all over the place in terms of, you'll listen to a heap of opinion-based subjects, so this is one of those interviews, podcast episodes, episodes I should say, I want you to grab a coffee, or grab a beer, or something to smoke, sit down, relax, and we're going to take you on a journey. Indeed we are. So here he is, Josh from the outfit, Chaos Over Cosmos. Um, but mate, let's let's talk about this band here, because I appreciated that you, uh, you reached out to me, actually, because I don't do a lot of these interviews with artists that reach out to me, I've got to be said, got to be said, and I'll explain why. In the past... Um, I just get, I get, okay, A, I'm busy, meaning I get so many opportunities with international artists and the like um, that I really, I, I just apply a filter to the music that gets sent through to me and I like your stuff. So that's the reason I liked your music. <laughs> you know, um, no disrespect to anybody else out there, but I do like a lot of this. I, I, I'm 41. I grew up in an era when heavy metal was as popular as... Um, using the epithet you want it just was not popular at all okay and to hear the sort of music that you guys are producing on this is it an ep or is it a like an extended single or what would you classify it as i'd classify it as an ep because they had before i joined they had a different vocalist um mm. so they had like a i think november 2018 they released the, the debut which is basically five songs but the first one was like only 20 minutes and then you had and they did a re-release in April, and then mm-hmm. we released the EP in I think it's July, mid July, August. Mm-hmm. So there's more, more of an EP with, with the three songs. Because um, me and Raph are looking at doing new music, music, and we're looking at doing like more of a like a bigger release, more of an album. And he was saying that at the moment he would rather release like a another little EP because he likes the idea of EPs because you didn't really get into plenty a fair bit at the moment. Oh yeah, and he's like, yeah, yeah I just want to do something a couple like about three, four songs, and then basically that's it, and then. Because he's, he's, uh, he's actually joined, and well, he's had a mate reach out to him to, uh, I think, over, I think over his way in mm-hmm. um, in Poland to look at doing like a kind of more genty, proggy kind of band, yeah. an actual live one. So he's like, he's always been chatting to that bloke, and the guy reached out. And he was like, yeah, give it, a, I'm happy to give it a go. And he was messaging me, saying this will probably be the uh, like be a fair while between releases because normally he's looking at doing something every six months or so. So it'd be very different this one. Like I've heard some of the new, like because he only goes through guitar for the right stuff. So mm-hmm. he's basically sent me some of the new stuff, which I've helped um, tweak on a little bit, and it's just very different <laughs> compared to that EP and compared to the debut stuff as well. Yeah, got a crazy brain for his music. So he he's over in Poland, but with a surname like that, he could uh, sounds like an Anglo-Celtic surname. So is he Aussie as well? He's moved over there, or what's the what's the go with? No, him? no, I I met him online. I think it was either Reddit, through I think it's through Reddit. I'm just putting on one of the groups on there looking for okay, cool. um, when yeah. I go when I go to different graphics because looking for bands and stuff. 
just to do music and I put a thing on Reddit, I'm pretty sure. And the hair reached out and we basically became friends and stuff on there. Because originally I was going to, I was joining Chaos of the Cosmos before they're called Chaos of the Cosmos, but my current band Resurgence, I joined them and that kicked off mm-hmm. with like recording and stuff like that. And I just said to Raph, I, was like, I couldn't do it at the time. And then the vocals, all the vocals ended up leaving because of differences. He didn't like the heavier style because he's more power metal. And then Raph okay. came to me because I had stuff I did on the Resurgence stuff with the album Voices. And he was like, I would love to have you because we're looking at doing our own little side project, like more like kind of Killswitch Engage style stuff. Okay. Yep. And I was like, yeah, it happened. Like, I was just like, yeah, basically said it. And I was like, yep. Yeah, Without even like without even thinking about it, I was like, "Yep, yeah, definitely doing it." <laughs> those guitar skills, like this, was if I wouldn't say no. <laughs> yeah, I'm mad guitar skills. Yeah, I actually have to yeah. ask you, mate. It actually, I, I, you know, there's a lot of slander toward Prod Lucas Man from Rings of Saturn Online about the they reckon that he sped things up, and I know that he didn't. Okay, um, but it actually sounds like Raf might have sped some of this stuff up. So please tell me he didn't. Please tell me actually he's playing this stuff. No, he's he's literally playing it. Like it's, it's incredible. Yeah, man. it's amazing. It's, amazing skills. Not. Yeah, mm. mad. Skills. He, he, he loves he loves his kind of his shred. Like we were adding a, a joke a little while ago. I was like, oh, we should do a more kind of slower acoustic song, kind of ballady. And he's like, I don't think I can play slow. And I was like, oh, get you get you some beers in, and you'll be you'll be fine running something slow. And he goes, no, when I play beers, I try and play them faster and shred. Like, I just can't do it. I was like, what? How how can you oh not God. play slow? He's like, mm. no, just shred my style. It's like, okay, no. <laughs> if you get stoned, you'll play slow. I can guarantee him that. <laughs> but, uh, Maybe. <laughs> you know, but uh, playing doom metal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that god, that that plethora of neurosis stuff, sounding stuff. I remember neurosis back in the day. It sounds like every bloody band coming out these days sounds like them. But twenty five years later, that's <laughs> so weird. Mm. But uh, yeah, look, it's, just to go back to the sound of the music here, um, for. Those people who are yet to hear you, and given you are an indie band, I mean, I think you can find your stuff. I've you sent it to me, so mine, mine's it. I don't have Spotify, and you listen to Apple Music. But is is your music available on Spotify and Apple Music? We we are now. It took about two months of me convincing Raf and him basically going one day going, "Yep, let's do it." So yeah, we're yeah, finally the EP actually yesterday went live on Spotify. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Would you say um, that this? Because this is a relatively new release. This is only a couple of months old, isn't it, this music? Yeah. Yeah. And have you started writing new stuff, or is this? are you really just going to focus on seeing what the response is out there and the word, word, word to this stuff? Now, Raspberry basically released and on to the next. Like, we've already, it's already basically started. I think we've probably mapped out, I think, three quarters of one song. Because um, basically... <laughs> With the EP, he basically changed his way of writing because he used to basically map it all out on Guitar Pro and see how it is and then basically go from there. With The EP basically just kind of did everything on the fly. Yep. And this one, I think, is going, we're going back to more... Because we've got one song so far, we're going back to more Guitar Pro so I can have a bit more of an input with it because I didn't get a massive input on the EP music because I had when I came into it, the most of the music was already written. Mm-hmm. So with the, with the current ways, so I can actually get on there with it, which is, which is pretty cool. Being able to kind of see it all... Basically, got to play a mini style, speed it up. I want to get a bit crazy because so on speed or something like that. But mm-hmm. it's, yeah, an interesting, a very interesting experience. But I've, with it, because with being purely online, which is crazy, the internet. Um, I've never because I haven't actually met him, or uh, we haven't ever spoke either. It's all basically through Facebook Messenger, which basically just yeah. makes it all, like it makes it difficult at times with the basically time like the time different time zones. So we'll yeah. have I think. At a good hour or so in the morning here, and then at night time it'll be about a couple of hours or so, and that's pretty much it. That's our conversations for the day, and then we'll basically delay with everyone catching up and stuff. But 
bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I admire it, and I've got to tell you, it's not the first time I've heard it, though. Um, mm. And that, you know, I know there's a cliche that people are, you know, getting involved in relationships that they've been doing for the past 25-odd years, ever since 20, well, really 20 years. I know it's 25-odd years, but 20 years since the internet really became available to the general populace. Mm. But it, it does not surprise me at all to see two people who are, how many kilometres apart? 20,000 kilometres apart, is it? Being able to forge a relationship based on common interests, and you can produce yeah. this wonderful music that you've been able to do here. So, do you think? Yeah, have you have you guys talked about touring or playing any live gigs over in Europe? Yes and no, because I know Raf's not entirely too sure if he could play the stuff live. Because the way the with the with I just use backing tracks. Yeah, just use backing tracks and just do what he can. I saw the guys on Rings of Saturn do that. Honestly, people are very forgiving these days, mate. Really, honestly, Mm. you know, it's um. I think as long as you're there and the majority of it is played by you guys, you'd be fine. I think I think he'd be more worried about his basically crazy lead stuff that he does. But I think I'm not sure if he does a lot of um, kind of cutting in when he's doing it or or punching in, but. Yeah, I think I know he was a bit worried at one point if we ever did look at doing it live, or because I was looking at trying to do like a like a playthrough, guitar playthrough, to kind of have something out there so people can yes, basically see crazy guitar skills. And he's like, and he's like, oh, he's like, I'd love to, but I basically get annoyed with myself being a perfectionist with trying to play it all the way through. And I was like, you just go do heaps of heaps of shots. If I can just, I would basically go between different video clips and cut them in, where even where it's just stuff up. I said I wouldn't be able to tell anyway, but. He's like, oh, I'll be able to tell. And I was like, you'd be fine. It's a video. I said, I said most of the time, the people who are doing playthroughs probably aren't playing the song all the way through perfectly. And you'll no, be able to tell most of the time anyway. Yeah. And there's tricks you can use, such as like you use different camera angles. So just say you need to stop it yeah. a bit, then you just focus on the riffing hand. And then, then you, you do a different yeah. camera angle where you focus on the picking hand. You do that stuff. Yeah. And that's a really good idea. And I've got to tell you, I'm, about, I'm at Bond these days. I'm at my ripe old age of 41. I'm a full-time student. I'm almost through a journalism degree. And um, what I've learned, and I'm a social media major, is that video, mate, it actually has eight times the uptake as what standard posts do, like any other type of content. Video, mate, it's all about that. So that's a really, that's a smart thing that you're looking at doing, though. I'd really, in order to get your music out there, I think that's probably the best avenue to do it on. And do it using Instagram. Are you, are you, of course, you guys would be on Instagram, I suppose, but using IGTV as well. Massive uptake on that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just so busy, mate, I can't tap into all of it. I just sort of put my podcast episodes out there, and if people find it great, they find it. But um, because you guys actually have a you know, musical product like this, you know, there's so many avenues for you guys to get it out there and really be effective with it. But no, videos are right at the top of the tree. Putting it on, on Facebook stories and also um, IGTV, mate, I really encourage you guys to do that because this is, this is music worth listening to. I wouldn't be saying this unless I, unless I found, found some gold in it personally. You know, and and uh, you know the Vangelis comment. I know we've had an email conversation or, or comments about this one here, but man, that was a really good way to get my attention. You don't you don't know me from a bar of soap, but Vangelis was one of the first artists I ever got into as a kid. You know, Blade Runner, and and I can hear it through your music, man. It's killer. You know, there, there, to be honest, there are parts of your music where I wish you'd extend the Vangelis thing just to dive into more of the soundscapes. And I'm usually the opposite. Usually, I find scouts, soundscapes done by metal bands broadly speaking metal bands be boring as shit but not with you guys i found them really engaging thanks yeah, yeah. i had noticed that with uh, with the debut of the um well the debut rap and the other guy that a lot of rap guitar work um because the first time i heard it like the first track was that it was like 17 minutes and like listening it through it didn't because well i know it was some of those long tracks but you get bored and you kind of want to skip it with that one just kept, kept kind of carrying on just kept basically being 
well, obviously having different stuff, but it was just, yeah, the first time I heard it was like, oh, cool, that was one track. <laughs> that was really good. That's exactly what happened to me with you guys, actually. It's exactly what happened to me. I think, uh, mm. is it the first one, Cascading Darkness? It's, it might not have been that one. There. It might have been consumed. I can't remember now because, you know, I've got my AirPods in and I'm walking around the house with my iPhone in my pocket somewhere and the kids are yelling at me about something and I've got the music playing and I'm, and I'm noticing it's like the music's taking me somewhere at the same time as I've got all these household chores. You, you're a parent. You know what I'm talking about. Mm. But it's often, oh. <laughs> it's often the only time you've really got to listen to music outside of when you're going to sleep. And then if you're doing that, you don't absorb a goddamn thing. You're going to sleep. Um mm. But yeah, no, it is something that I notice, and usually my, my, my opinion is vastly different, but I'd really encourage you guys to lean into that aspect of it more. I'd almost encourage you guys to release the Vangelis stuff as an accompaniment. So, mm. you know, keep the basic track, if you like, and put it out there for people. I mean, I think you'd... I mean, I, I mean, I could be completely wrong, man. It's only my opinion, but look, I'm a lifelong music fan, and there's a lot to like about what you guys are doing with this stuff, man, and... Uh, at this stage in the game, you might as well put it out there and see what comes back. <laughs> What's well, crazy with this release with bass, because everywhere I've sent it, people have loved it. Like, um, we had Gareth from AMR with basically sent him and he's like, within, he's like, oh yeah, interview two days. I was like, okay. <laughs> was then his heavy, yeah, okay. heavy reborn show. I was like, it's just been, yeah, going crazy, but everyone, everyone loving it. Like we've had, um, band, we've been following the band for, I think, two years or so, which has been going, um, and basically love the new direction. Like there are some obviously who don't like it because they preferred the more power metal side from before yep. with the old vocalist, but a lot have gone, yeah, this is, this is the way to go. So, which has been, which has been good. Like I was nervous originally coming in with going from how everything was before him with the other vocalists and being the more power metal side to kind of do the more kind of aggressive vocal style. Mm-hmm. But something, something I love doing with all the, the metal that I love is like, like we'll kill switch engage more metal core stuff before going into the, obviously it's like Lamb of God and that. Um, and then all of Raft's influences where it just basically kind of moulded this perfect little package. It's worked out well for us, I reckon. Oh, it does. It does. But and I think what you are going for you these days too is people are fed up with um, basically pop music. You know you know what I mean? Like the, the, the yeah. fans of metal are fed up with it. So when you start releasing tracks like eight and nine minutes, I actually think that's the future. Believe it or not, I actually think what you guys have done here is the future overall for metal releases. Three or four killer cuts, a lot of great ideas wrapped wrapped inside the same tune because people want to be taken on a journey, I think. Um, yeah. And I was talking to Bill Hudson, you know, from uh, I Am Morbid and North Tail, Brazilian guitarist, excellent guy. And, you know, he's really tuned into this sort of stuff as well. He's really got some good ideas. I mean, he's the sort of guy that could have been playing Paco de Lucia style flamenco guitar. Um, as well as Iron Maiden style guitar, but he, he basically worked out that people wanted to hear long form power metal, and that's the sort of music that he's giving to people. Man, he's just tapping into what the market wants, but at the same time, he's playing music that's a part of it's in his spirit, it's in his soul. As we, I'm a musician as well, uh, and uh, I play covers these days, so I don't actually play a lot of um, actually, I don't play any originals music because I just don't have the time to or the inclination to sort of put it all together. But if I was, man, I can tell you, I'd be uh, I'd be putting together songs. They wouldn't be compositionally the same as yours. They'd be very different. But um, I'd be certainly going for the, the length of, of time that both uh, Consumed is and Cascading Darkness is. Well, it's weird going from... Because with um, Resurgence, everyone, like people were saying, oh, you should have songs shouldn't be that long. to be a three to three or five minute mark. Still start getting bored. And then you basically got the stuff that with me and Rass with Chaos of the Cosmos was like seven, eight minutes. And people were like, people laughing and loving it. It's just crazy. Yeah, there you go. Like I, have a, 
it's like I had another another mate that I was on his release Mitchell Mantell like it was similar stuff like he's got I think six I think one of the songs is seven minutes and everyone's like oh it's song but that track's epic and then there's one that's like four minutes and everyone's like yeah now that's not that's not as cool <laughs> just weird mm-hmm. bizarre with like with, with the timing and stuff like that how you have a track that's four minutes it's basically it can be absolutely crazy killer track and then you have one that's seven minutes it's kind of not as great and people people be like going straight to that seven minute track just bizarre yeah I, I don't understand it either to be honest with you i really i really don't um but look i think i think tool have got a lot to do with it releasing a new album this year uh their, their song i don't know what the average track length is but i know they're up to 10 minutes a lot of them um i like that album by the way i know there's a lot of tool haters out there but um i got into it i found there was heaps to like about it i mean i i, I bought this monster solara should check it out online but it's a speak because you've got kids you can put it. It's a solar-powered speaker, but it's a it's a not a shitty one. It's a good one, you know. It's a yeah. it's a thirty-watt speaker, and um, yeah. yeah, it's it's loud as shit, man. It's incredibly loud, and I've got it. I mean, of course, I don't have it up too loud, but I've got the kids in the backyard on the swing set and stuff. But Tool's album sounded beautiful, wonderful over it, beautiful yeah. over it. And uh, what I appreciated about it, and maybe this is part of it, was that I uh, I wasn't having to worry about. Um, the album sort of finishing within half an hour, a la Slayer's Rain and Blood, which is a classic album, I know, but a different era. It was a song that I could sort of have on in the background and just sort of let it, you know, there's moments where you could, it's barely inaudible because you're in the backyard and the dog's barking and there's birds flying around and, you know, all the usual noises that you get in Australian backyards. But um, it just sort of dovetails onto the point. And I think that a lot of us heavy metal fans, you know, we are getting older and we do have, um, we do have a lot of... Um, commitments in our life but we don't want to stop listening to the music and participating in the listening experience and long form is the way forward in my opinion yeah definitely yeah um so you um living in grafton do you get up here much for shows to brisbane do you watch any of the international bands that come through town i haven't well haven't really been to shows much for that to like to see bands themselves like we did have resurgence did have a gig up there about a month or so ago which was uh, interesting. Not many people came. <laughs> yeah, all that happens. There's apparently, yeah. some, there's apparently, apparently some album launch somewhere in Portugal Valley, so the promoter was like, oh, people are there. It would have been like 100 people coming. We're like, ah, it's all good. It is what it is. Hmm. Uh, and I know we're probably hoping to get up there again with them, but it's, yeah, it's bizarre going from Sydney where, well, at the time, Sydney had heaps of places you could, you could play where it's not as much now. And then our drummer, because he's from Sydney, because he's kind of filling in before he finds someone permanently, um, that he was saying basically appearance of scenes in Canberra and Melbourne nowadays with, with live stuff. Canberra? So maybe yeah, one day. Okay. Well, I know Canberra, because I, I know Canberra with the basement. They were just basically saying like this. He um, had friends um, played in bands and went to Canberra and they saying that you'd have someone come after you saying that they love your music and they're generally loving your music compared to someone in our like Sydney who's come and going, oh yeah, I was sick and they kind of walk off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like he was, just, he was just saying Melbourne changed a lot. He said Sydney's kind of more underground kind of, I see it, like, like in the recording, like not recording studios, like rehearsal studios now, they're doing more apparently music scenes going a bit more underground there, which is be interesting. But yeah, it'd be good to Sydney's kind of kick up again. So you've got more of the kind of smaller venue, venues doing stuff. So I know some have been, some have been closing down again. And maybe get down there or hopefully get back up to Brisbane again. 
sometime in the future, hopefully. Yeah, focus on here. There's a lot of, I mean, there's, Sydney's got the lockout laws, so it's very difficult. But here, you know, the Valley, it was probably just an off night that you played, but you get that. Yeah. You know, I've, I've played in front of literally nobody before, just bar stuff, you know. Um, mm. That happens, but I, I don't think that defines the the um, the scene or the opportunity that's available oh, no, here for you. It's just one of those things that happens, really. And, we'll, you know, yeah. th- th- they're just... I wouldn't say paid rehearsals. I don't like that saying, but you know what I mean. Like you, yeah. you know, a gig is worth ten rehearsals in my view, provided you are rehearsed already. And um, you know, it's a good good way to sort of bust bust out the uh, blow out the cobweb, so to speak. And where, where were you playing at Brightside or Valley Driving or somewhere like that or Black Bear Lodge? Ah, oh, I cannot remember at all. <laughs> it was near, was it Nunda or something? It was near, near there. Oh I God, think. up there. Yeah. Okay. Northern. Northern. Yeah, that is. I know there's a venue up there. I can't remember its name. Yeah, back in the day, I used to play in a, a venue called Rosie's. I used to play in metalcore bands, and um, and uh, yeah, it's smack bang in the middle of the city. So you'd have people just wandering in, curious to see what was going on. Like I'm talking, yeah. forget about non-metal fans, non-music fans, sort of wandering in just to find out what the hell the ruckus was, because they were free yeah. entry. You just you know you're in there, so you sort of have an obligation to buy a beer or a Jack Daniels or whatever. Uh, those were the days, man. But that's, of course, that doesn't last. It sort of gets turned into a restaurant of some description, or a jewelry shop, or some other bullshit. <laughs> and uh, you sort of, and most of the entertainment precincts is um, is centered around the Valley in Brisbane. Mm. And uh, if you can play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday night, you're guaranteed even a, you know, ten people minimum. You know, and doesn't I know it doesn't sound like much, but when you're when you're sort of starting not out. a known entity and you're starting out, you know, anybody that yeah. you don't know that's listening to your music is generally a victory. That's Indeed, like definitely say. is. You know, so... <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you the other thing I like is the artwork that you've done here. I know it's a, it's a classic Photoshop job, man, but I love the effort and the attention to detail. You know, it really... You know, I mentioned that I'm a fan of Blade Runner and Vangelis, so mm. it, it leans into that, and I'd really encourage you guys to, to sort of keep that. A bit like what Lucas and Rings of Satin are doing with the work that they do with... Um, the artist Mark Cooper. Mark Cooper is actually, I, I bought my artwork from him. That is my podcast artwork. If you're wondering, ever, if oh, anybody's yeah. ever wondering where that came from. Yeah, yeah. I've, I was, I, I put out an ad on um, Airtasker asking for people to do artwork. And to be honest with you, the stuff I got back was not good. And, yeah. um, you know, they missed the brief and there's heaps of people from the subcontinent just, you know, angling for the, for the 200 bucks, 250 bucks that's repaired to pay, pay for someone. And, I really liked the Rings of Satin artwork, so I thought, I wonder who that artist is, and it turned out it was Mark Cooper, and coincidentally, I'd already liked his page because I love his work. And um, he had what I wanted on his on his um, for sale. You know, I could buy the rights to it or whatever, you know, I had exclusive use yeah. of it, and uh, it's only 100 bucks US or something like that. So it was, I got the artist that I wanted, and it was cheaper than what I would have done if I'd gone via Airtaskers. So I, oh, think, yeah. I think for you guys, man, if you can keep up this sort of... Um, this visual representation of what the music is. I'm a big fan of the visual matching what the music mm. sounds like. I don't, I don't, I know a lot of punk bands out there do really boring artwork and stuff like that. And I'm not a fan of that. I love intricate artwork like what you guys have done here. So is that, is that your efforts there or is that something that Raf did? No, that was, that was me. I was really lucky with that. Like, it took me about half an hour to slap together somehow where some of them take like, Freaking ages. <laughs> mm. I was just, yeah, I was just, I was just on, like, on some website that's got kind of free, well, copyrightless image. Well, not copyright, but on copyright images where it's basically solos. Because I think the city is, I think, I think it's like, I think somewhere in Hong Kong. And then I basically found the, because Braff said he wanted the, kind of the Blade Runner kind of sci fi, spacey esque stuff. And then I found the stuff with um, the planet 
and then they basically just kind of mashed together. The mm. thing that took me the longest was actually trying to get the planets to work with the image. Because yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not cra- I'm not crazy with Photoshop. It's basically YouTube and Googling how to do stuff. And I just ended up finding this thing by accident, which was basically I think, trying to... Oh, I can't remember what it was called. It was like basically blending the kind of... Some weird blending thing where you kind of have the image kind of dropping away. And it basically just kind of went on, started trying to do it, stuffed it up, looked at it and gone, oh, okay, that works. <laughs> we'll go with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, worked, it worked well. Because I had three of them, had three of them, sent him three, and he basically... He, Saw that one was like that is it that is the release for that. And I was mm. like, cool. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, really he matches. Really loved it. It really matches. Mm. I love the colours too—the pink and the purples and the blues. You know, they're uh, they're on the colour wheel together, mate, and it just it just works. You know, and it reminded me a little bit of um, the vibe of it anyway. Of um, there's two albums: Gamma Ray's Power Plant, the power metal band that's still banging around. Um, their Power Plant album, you can Google that and see what that looks like. But also, too, the big one, Iron Maiden, Somewhere in Time, and also Power Slave. It just had that vibe. Um, you know, you could almost add a pyramid next to the planet there that's on the right hand side, Mute Neptune or whatever it is, man, and you'd have. Uh, you know, it certainly wouldn't. I'm not suggesting for a moment it did improve it, but yeah, you know, it'd give it that extra vibe going on there. So yeah, it was well done, man. Maybe- Maybe in the next one, I'll, I'll sneak a little pyramid in there for you. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good, man. Yeah, that'd be good. I love pyramids. Yeah, I'm all, I'm, I don't know about you, but, you know, with, with you know all of the information that the world has ever known pretty much available on our devices, Android and iPhone devices, I'm, um, I dive into a lot of ancient civilizations. And uh, mm. I'm really curious. I know this is a tangent to what we're talking about, but I get really curious about apparently... Uh, there's two things, particularly here in Queensland, which is interesting for us here, but there's a Phoenician port in Serena and there's evidence of Egyptian civilization in Queensland as well. Um, trade, mainly trade. They Not, not mm. when I say civilization, not cities and stuff, but there's this gimpy yeah. pyramid thing, but I don't know about that. It sounds it sounds like someone's fanciful <laughs> idea, you know, but, but, but they're finding shit. They're finding coins and stuff and the, the, it's, it's Phoenician stuff, you know, and it's, and it's eroded and, um, Altars and stuff like that. There's a guy called Rex Gilroy who uh, finds this stuff, and uh, Val Osborne is the other guy. If anybody's interested, that's listening. And uh, look, they don't get a lot of academic support for it because it's contrary to a lot of what's already in the textbooks and conventional wisdom. But yeah. uh, you know, it's stuff that if ever I was writing lyrics, I think that I'd probably lean into some of that stuff there, and I'd write write a little bit about bit about that stuff. It's pretty crazy when you start diving into different civilizations. But I know years ago, I was I think I ended up going through. But you also have conspiracy theory people on YouTube and stuff like that. They end up oh, going God, through yeah. something and going and then going somewhere else. And I was talking about like ancient civilizations and all the yeah, talking about the Aztec stuff like that. And just watching it and going, "Holy crap, <laughs> this is just crazy!" And like obviously, and then the conspiracy theory stuff of like with the Stonehenge and all the other crazy things that obviously I think aliens, but obviously yeah. But then, but when you start kind of thinking out or like with the advancements and how we've gone now, like how they managed to kind of get the stones like that compared to like with the, even with the pyramids, with the, like their way of thinking would get to get that kind of get those going. That's just crazy. Yeah, there's there's that there, and I, I studied ancient when I was at school. Sorry, this is years ago, of course, but I did ancient history, and um, it hasn't changed. I still don't know how they bloody did it. Um, mm. And th- there's mathematics that has been used in the construction of them that we don't still don't under we we don't have the formulas. You know, we haven't arrived yeah. at a point where we've been able to work out how they. Uh, I get this wrong, but my understanding of it is that there's um, 
line of sight from within the tomb within the pyramid up to certain planets and stars at times of the year and we don't know how they were able to calculate that for example um and uh, that's pretty that's pretty freaky that shit because that's a fact like if, <laughs> yeah, you, you sort of there's no conspiracy behind that it's like well how did they figure that shit out i mean they figured it out we know that because they did it but i, I don't yeah. i don't buy into this alien bullshit and all the rest of it you know and, yeah. and I don't, you know, I've got plenty of mates that get into that stuff, the tinfoil hat stuff, but I've never... Well, I think, I think octopuses are aliens because they can't explain octopuses. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, I know. That's. But look, you know, there are mysteries in this world and sometimes the questions are better left unanswered because the answers that you get are just stupid, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't, yeah, it's the internet for all of its benefits. And I do believe it's a it's a wonderful and very powerful tool which does help humanity, but a lot of people disagree with me on that. And, uh, you know, the, the, cons the conspiracy theorists, the crop circle people and all the rest of it, they, uh, they have their own ideas and theories about things and more power to them if they can prove it, but nobody's been able to prove it yet. You know, many of the conspiracy theories, so many of the conspiracy theories. They're pretty scary. Like, well, pretty scary, but pretty crazy when you start like, going into them. I know, I was, I know I was hooked on one for a little, well, not for a little bit, but a mate was really getting into like, some of the stuff with like 9-11 and stuff. He's basically making watch YouTube videos for about a couple of hours and kind of thinking about going, oh yeah, maybe that could be the case. That's <laughs> oh, why I go on, yeah. what? That's stupid. <laughs> yeah, the 9-11 is an inside job thing. Yeah. Look, if, if yeah. anybody can present, like, you know those videos that are on YouTube, you've seen them and they have the weird music in the background, you know, like that ominous mm. music in the background. So it's really yeah. just entertainment. It's not factual. Yeah. It's not factual. Mm. I mean, I, I can't think of any reason... There's literally no reason, and you'd have to have an enormous amount of people in on the cover-up, you know, the inside job, that a government would would do that to their own people and and do what they did. You know, it's just... A mate was telling me that um, the reason... And he, he'd done a bunch of reading on it, and he, he, he loves debunking the conspiracy theorists online. But he was telling me that the reason why the towers collapsed so much is because, and I'll get this wrong again, so anybody out there listening who wants to try to correct me, good luck, because I'm only going off my memory here, so I'm not saying, saying that I have the facts in front of me and I'm reading from them, I'm just going from my memory. But the mafia had a lot to do with the collapse of the, uh, the Twin Towers because they cut some sort of a deal with the unions and they weren't using, let's just put it this way, the best steel and the best concrete in the construction. Um, that's what I understand, and that's that's something that isn't really out there. But he was he he'd done the research, he'd done the reading, and he assures me that that's what actually happened. But all this stuff about bombs going off and the other twin towers and stuff, I I don't bind you any of that bullshit, you know. Until until a government source or a credible source or an academic source says that's what happened, I'm not believing that for a moment. Yeah, definitely. You know. So mate, with your let's get back to the music. So you, you've obviously got a Facebook <laughs> presence. I've seen that. Um, have you got Instagram and Twitter and all of that sort of stuff? Instagram and Twitter we do not have. So Raf, it's weird. So Raf wants to do it like does Cast of the Cosmos more kind of like the black metal underground things. That's why it took ages for me to get him to say yes to Spotify. Oh, so he yes. basically wants to be is if people love the music, they'll go looking for us. Oh, That's yeah. why he sees it. Well, I've, I see it from kind of what like um, oh, I can never remember her name. I think it's Monica. Uh, it's Monica. Is it Monica Strutt? The PR girl oh, from the last month. Yeah, she's got a podcast series. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I've been because. I was following her randomly for like for a while, um, and then I've seen a lot of other PR stuff. Um, and when I was doing reviews for Overdrive magazine, looking at some of the stuff coming in through that, and it's basically like, well, if 
you're kind of limiting your market. You're not going to kind of spread out there. So my thing is basically when I joined, we've got, there's basically, I'm going to spread our wings as much as we can. <laughs> so basically it's been like when, when the EP was released, they're sending to um, all like radio stations and stuff. I'd got emails from with sending out resurgence stuff and basically mm-hmm. sending it and kind of get as much exposure as possible that we could. Like I was telling Raph with the current release that I want to at least have a couple of, couple of basically well, six, six weeks, about eight weeks um, kind of, gap between it and so that's just basically releasing it when it's ready mm-hmm. so I know there's some places for like for reviews like this angry metal guy where six six weeks minimum before the release that he'll look at look at it where some of them basically yeah i think and there's one i think the same one that was three months which is that was pretty crazy but yeah i kind of like i kind of get the whole thing with hype and the the bad the downside of it as well we're trying to basically build something up and then basically when it's delivered it could be basically a pile of rubbish or it could be something amazing but my thing is more to try and look at getting into those review places that I'm with you, we man. can't. We yeah. Don't, yeah, yeah. Look, so and, like, and, uh, look. I got to tell you, I got a pretty, go. I got a pretty strong opinion on this one. There's, there's only one person that I'd work with if I was in your position, and that's John Howarth. Because I mean, he he deals with Kiss. I mean, you want to work at that level, mate. You know, it might cost you a little bit more than if you're working with some of the others. But I don't. I, I mean, I won't speak for John in terms of how much it costs, but. Uh, the vast majority of my interview opportunities go through him, and he's a he's a tremendous individual too. He's a bloody good bloke. Um, he's yeah. well known, got a great reputation out there. Um, yeah, I, I with all due respect to the other ones, I'm sure they're good at what they do, but John does get results. You know yeah. that because he knows all of the the um, online publications in Australia, and I'm sure plenty yeah. offshore as well. So that'd be my uh, I'd push you in that direction, mate, if ever I was asked which, which way to go. For any band, I'd probably say that. But what you probably do have to sort out is that Instagram thing. You, Twitter, I can understand why people don't want to be on it because it's more of a sewer. But <laughs> Instagram is where all the kids are. <laughs> you know what I mean? All the music well, they, fans. I think they say all the social media is a sewer, don't Yeah, it's a tough one with social media, mate. It's Look, it's really... I've been very fortunate with this podcasting and that I can honestly say I don't think I've, I don't think I've had a single troll. That's in almost 450 interviews, you know, over, well over 400 posted. Yeah, man, and I mean, look, I've seen artists... I'll, I'll get on there for you. <laughs> well, I've, I've interviewed artists that have been absolutely pillared because, yeah. because of things that they've said when I've interviewed them, but never... I mean, yeah. I feel like I'm in the eye of the storm sometimes, like when it goes into blabbermouth and, you know, and I see some of the comments that the keyboard warriors are making about some of these wonderful artists that I interview and... It's gotten so bad sometimes I felt like reaching out to the artist and say, do you want me to pull it down? But it's already out there, you know. I mean, there's nothing we can really do. But but they're, we're all big enough to handle it, mate. And look, I, I get into a bit of argy-bargy because I'm a rugby fan with some people on Twitter about the World Cup, mate. And I just have a rule, mate. If you've got, a, if you've got an anonymous profile, fuck off. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if, you, if you've got your real... Like my, my name's out there, Andrew McKay-Smith. You can find me easy. I'm not hiding. I've got an opinion, and it's not for everybody, especially when it comes to rugby, because I'm a mad Wallaby supporter. But mm. but well, I think with bands, they start copying trolls and stuff, and same as pages. Depending on how they handle the situation, it can go from basically something going negative to basically pure gold. Like, I've seen bands turn trolls into basically la- like little laughing stocks, basically, because they start trolling them back and just basically gets blown up. Like a band I was in, Born a Chaos, our vocalists love trolling people. That was, that's what he used to basically do. He would basically have made posts like really stupid. He'd go on there and basically start hounding them. And then, that's yeah, someone tried trolling it. us one time. Someone tried trolling us one time and he's drunk and he's just going, I've got this. Like, crack his knuckles and everything. And I'm like, what are you doing? And the next morning we're reading, we're reading everything and we're like, 
basically turned around the person trolling and removing all their comments and stuff. Like, it was, it was pure gold. Because he basically screenshotted everything and took it all there and just like, holy crap, what the hell, man? <laughs> He's like, I have drunk. That's <laughs> like, Jesus. <laughs> oh, you got to have fun with it. you got you got to have fun with it, otherwise you won't have fun with it. Mm. It's There's not in between. Yeah. There's actually not an in-between there. And, um, mm. yeah, it's, uh, it, it, I, as I say, my, my rule is not to deal with people. Actually, just tonight I dealt with someone who had an anonymous profile, but they were giving me a compliment, so I, I, I took it. Yeah, there's no reason not to take that. So be it, you know. Um, yeah, they sent me a direct message, which was a compliment, and that was on Facebook. And I thought, no, that's fair enough. And, and uh, and you know, if, if people are going to do that, it's not a, not a trolling when you do that. But it's it's I guess it's these – and this I, – look, I don't – as I say, I obviously don't attract it, but then I'm – I'm the sort of guy, and I might get punched in the head tomorrow by saying this. You watch this, but I hope I don't. But I remember going to walking into the valley. This is years ago, about ten years ago, and I was waiting at a set of traffic lights to cross the road to go into the valley proper into Brunswick Moor. And this bloke ran and stood next to me, and he was panting. And I thought, okay, what the hell's going to happen here? I mean, am I about to get murdered, or what's going to? What's this guy doing? You know, it could be anything. And then there were four or five guys that came bolting like up the road and um, Gotha Street, I think it was. And they were going after this guy and I thought, fuck me dead, they're going to kill me as well, you know, as yeah. well as this guy here. And he got, they got about two metres away from him and he he just, you know, panic set in and he bolted. And it was like I was Moses, I was the Red Sea and Moses parted it. They just went around me like a school of fish going around a shark. And <laughs> I thought... Thank God for that. I don't attract trouble. Isn't that great? Because <laughs> I thought they might have thought that I was with him, and I hope he was all right. I'm not not, not being insensitive to his plight here, but at the time I didn't really want to have my teeth kicked in either. But and yeah. the same thing has happened online too. I don't seem to attract a lot of them, and I think think part of that just focusing on the online thing too. And and you 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 guys do it too, no doubt. But just being authentic. I think if you're yourself and you're not putting out shit posts and giving hot takes that don't concern you and Saying this and that about Rob Flynn's comments on Phil Anselmo and all the rest of it, like stuff that has nothing to do I with it. I haven't even seen that stuff. Like, I'm just, I'm just in the Facebook groups, and people get carrying on about it. I'm just like, I, I don't even know what it is, nor do I care about it. I'm with you. Um, I've got better things to do with my time. I think what it is, mate, we're both parents. We don't have the energy, Maybe. the time, or the inclination. I, I, well, I, the internet or social media wasn't really what it is now before I was a parent, so I can't really comment, but. I, I just don't care. I don't care what other people's opinion is about my opinion, and I don't care about responding to people's posts and stuff. I mean, the Wallaby stuff, if you've had a couple of beers and the Wallabies are losing, you do get the shit, so you respond to some stuff. But, you know, it's all good. That's just banter. I'm not talking about that. That's just banter. But um, the trolling thing, I think, is... I, I actually think it's it's probably overblown. I think if you're authentic, you can get around it, and I feel like I've been able to do that for the past three years or so that I've been doing this podcast. It's always good to be authentic. There's no point basically trying to pretend you be something else or kind of to follow a crowd or no. being a sheep or something there. No, there's not. And and I think those days, though, the MySpace days where people had stupid photos of themselves with spiky hair that wasn't really them and all the rest of it. You know, and these, emo days. Yeah, the emo days. Yeah. yeah. Even even I've got some photos, not me, but bands that I was in with band members who were doing that sort of shit. And they're funny mm. to look back on now. You know, 2009 wasn't kind to everybody, put it that way. And <laughs> you look back at some of these photos and you think, dear God, you know, but um, but what do you do? You know, as we've established, mate, you've got to be authentic and you've got to have that attitude to um, 
not detract from your music, I think, and just let the music. I, I do agree with Raph on that point. Let people find you, but but I, I, I don't think you can sort of hide either, if you know what I'm saying. I do think you've got to put yourself out there and get a really good publicist like a John Howarth and um, or, or a promo agent like what he does and get put you yeah. in touch with all of the people who can get interviews with people like myself, yeah. podcasts, and get you into the online mags like Overdrive and that sort of thing. Well, I think the black metal underground approach more works if we're doing like live stuff. So they were kind of because people then kind of seeing you and going, oh, stick to this band and trying to find you. But when you're basically an internet project band that's purely just kind of putting stuff out there and not really going anywhere, that, that kind of approach doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So, I look, that's why me and rap, me and rap always clash. That's why, that's why it took so long for us trying to get on Spotify. Mm. Kind of like, because we're not, like I said, everyone, everyone's on Spotify because his thing was he didn't want to, like, he wasn't a big fan of like, making money. Like, I don't care about making money at all from it because Spotify streams is like hardly anything. But I was like, with being on Spotify, because everyone's pretty much on Spotify these days, you can then have a looking at people listening to it more and getting different fans from that who would never actually look at it compared to compared to normally just posting that, hey, free album or free um, metal music here with tagging the band page. Like, it can only go so far by going through playlists and all people, like, will people put in their playlist going like in the car or going to parties and stuff and basically plugging their phone in or whatever it is yeah. and basically playing and going, oh, stick this, stick this band and then going through there, like, I think I feel that's better than having people going on Bandcamp, downloading and going, yep, yeah, cool. And then that's bring it. But with Spotify, with all the online streaming, like it's just, yeah, the way of music at the moment is, yeah, online. Well, I think, I think Apple have done away with their, their paid. Like, you, I don't think you can buy. I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying this. I'm, I mean, I'm looking at my Apple thing now, and I think you've only got Apple, Apple on the Apple Music icons, I think you've got Browse, and that's it. So you've got songs that will be in your library that you might have purchased from iTunes back in the day and or mm. ripped in via CDs from back in the day or what have you, but I don't even think you can buy individual tracks or albums on iTunes anymore. I no, think they, the, uh, iTunes, iTunes changed the whole thing. They're, they're getting rid of it. Well, they're getting rid of iTunes per se and, and total basically focusing more on the Apple Music. Oh, sorry, Apple Which Music. Sorry, I'm using part. the old language, aren't I? Sorry. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it's yeah. hard to keep up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because, oh, yeah, when I saw a thing about iTunes going, I was like, what? What about all my music? And then I was reading more into it, but they were focusing more on Apple, the Apple music side of things. I was like, oh, okay, cool. They're going, they're going, the, they're going that way as well. Yeah, I, d- I don't. Interesting. Yeah, look, do, would, would, do you think you guys had ever put out physical copy or make it available? You know, do a run of 100 Rap, CDs? Rap, Rap, has, Rap has been thinking about it because um, on the, I think the reissue or the debut, it was there's some Russian record label that were apparently looking, like an indie one that were looking at them or at us. Because um, he's talking to me, I think it's like, like two hundred euros, like about to have like a fifty or hundred CDs for us. But then at the same, it's not, it's not too, it's not too bad. But then at, at the other time, I'm kind of like, well, we're online. I don't really see anyone purchasing physical CDs because not everyone does CDs these days. It's like with the resurgence, we've got CDs and like we're not selling them. We're basically giving them out for free for yeah, a shirt, like yeah. A little, a little, yeah, like a little thing going. Oh, buy a shirt, get a free CD. But no one really is like, we had some people that were going, oh, I wish I had a physical CD, so like physical CDs. And the other side of people, like I think three, well, three, like half the band or actually no, three quarters of the band were like, yep, online streams way. A guitar, one of our guitarists was like, no, I'm old school, need a, need a CD. Like, yeah, I kind of get it. But more people are going more towards the streaming thing because it's more easy to get to compared to basically having your CDs. Like even back in the day when I had CDs, um, because once I got it, had it basically an iPod, just chucking all on iTunes and it's basically gone on the iPod. Never then, never really used basically CDs from there because it basically chucked the aux cable in the iPod and you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. Very well. 
Yeah. Yeah, I look there's only I don't I, I really like it actually when um I do a lot of interviews for Firestarter distribution. So they're basically where I get all my non metal content from. Uh, interview subjects yeah. from and a lot of the dancers they i love interviewing a lot of the indie you know the the pop and the um electro artists and stuff because it gives yeah. me a bit of a something different for me too but a lot of them are really cool and they, they do have physical copy unbelievably and they'll send it to me so it's nice to get that stuff yeah. in the mail but that's just more of a nice to have as a memento for me uh yeah. from the conversation from the interview um yeah. but yeah i look i i know uh, you know, you know Eddie Trunk. Of course, you've probably heard of him, but he's he's a big fan of CDs still, and I, I don't get it, <laughs> and I don't really understand it. I mean, I've, I love the portability and the practicality of streaming. I just really would rather that the artist gets a fairer share than what they're getting at the moment. Um, and I, I don't look. I, I understand that the artist can make bank off streaming. I, I get that, but it, it really depends on the deal that they've signed with the. With a label, or or I suppose a distributor, does that still work? That well, I don't know, man. I'm out of the loop in that stuff, but yeah, and depends depends who you go through. I think. So, so no, I was reading a thing about with the current labels of some of the big bands that the with the whole way streaming went, a lot of them getting screwed over when it comes to getting money back on stream because the way the contracts go. That's right. I think yeah. I think I think I think I think I'm having Corey Taylor talking about something called some maybe not someone else so they're basically saying that with the way the contracts were from how it was with cds it worked well out for us but with streams there's nowhere to it could be basically have thousands and thousands of dollars not coming to us because the way the contract goes go straight to the record company so we missed out on that that's correct yeah they have it they didn't put it into the contract just say they're um they signed a record deal back in 2007 or something like that and it's an eight or nine album deal as it is with say um artists uh, labels like earache um, I think it's yeah. Rake or um, Roadrunner. You know, I don't even know if Roadrunner's still around, but but um, Roadrunner's still around. Yeah. So God, I just haven't heard anything off their their roster in so long. Uh, you know, I mean, back in the day when yeah, well, back in the day, Roadrunner was freaking everywhere. It was it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that was like the, that was like the, one of the metal ones, and then I think Napalm started coming up from there. Napalm's doing like... really well. Yeah. Because mm. there's another metal one as well, I think. Nuclear right. Blast, yeah, Nuclear Blast are probably the yeah, best. Yeah, Nuclear Blast, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know Nuclear Blast is always the one that had like the kind of more melodic death metal band and some of the kind of European ones. You had Roadrunner for the more popular metal ones like Slipknot, um, Trivium were on there as well. And That's then you right, had yeah, Nuclear yeah. Blast, which is with Nuclear Blast is more the kind of the death death metal stuff and then the extreme metal. It was just weird having the different labels doing the different genre styles. But now I think they're all kind of mixed and matched, I think, now. And they're well, kind of... Well, I think Earache are doing like rock, like Rival Sons and shit. Um, and I think Nuclear Blast, I mean, Slayer's on Nuclear Blast to give you an idea who's on there. And they get, I get, I think I get every opportunity to interview a new signing that is available. So I've interviewed a, oh, probably a, maybe 200 artists on Nuclear Blast at this point. Maybe. Like, I mean, I think it's that many, 150 or so. It's that many. Um, and uh, to your point there about a lot of these emerging Norwegian, Swedish, German death metal acts, all great guys, all producing great music, uh, this stuff. And Napalm, I think, they've done this interesting thing where, man, I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think even Billy Corgan signed to Napalm. Um, I think Napalm have gone for the Legacy Axe, the Legacy Rock Axe. I think that's what their their thing is. You know, I think... Yeah. Because um, I get I get the email sent through to me and I occasionally look at them and uh, I go and see who's who's signed to who, but they're the, they're the big three. I know, as I say, Earache, Napalm... Nuclear Blast. I just literally have not seen anything come through from Roadrunner in God knows how long. Um, 
and the you know they're all distributed variously by the majors but i don't i don't get much from the majors of course universal occasionally but because i think they look after um tool and slipknot if i'm not wrong i could be wrong but yeah you, know, you glance at these emails and you go fair enough that's where it's because our territory is a bit different to the u.s you know so people from yeah. the u.s that are listening to this yes things that are on a label over there are on a different label here because it's all done via territories well they just said we up, we're the upside down country <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's um. Oh, I tend to put a lot of stock in the art, the label that's releasing stuff these days. I have noticed that, um, yeah. because it's um, it, it, nuclear blast. I noticed um, um, certainly not to me, and certainly not that I've read artists say. I don't even think I've read a negative comment about nuclear blast by an artist. You know that, but there's a lot of negative stuff out there about. I spoke to Mortis about Earache. You know, Mortis, the uh, synth artist who was in Emperor. Um, he had some choice comments to say about his deal with Earache. I'll let people listen to that one. Um, and then he's a good du- he's a good dude too, man. He just had to work his ass off. Um, but it gave him exposure. I think he was his point. Whilst it might not have been financially that good, at least it got his career to a point where he had exposure, and he's still enjoying popularity to this day. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, I just got labels, mate. You know, I, I, I speaking to Kurt from Metal Church as well, like. Um, he agrees that he thinks it was easier for bands back in the day to start a career because labels invested, but, you know, you also don't see a dime from albums that's probably sold a truckload back then either because of the way that that record labels um, had done the deal. Yeah. So you really, you really, they're making money now, ironically, but they're making money because they're a known band because of their work that they did in the 80s and early 90s. Yeah. You know. Well, just getting it's different nowadays that people making their own labels or just basically releasing stuff themselves with the internet opening up all that. It's just crazy going from how it used to be back in the day that when you were being a musician, you wanted to get science, you basically can get up there, be big, and you had people that are basically complete indie artists that are basically doing everything themselves. Yeah, it's so weird. It's so weird to hear, and it's usually the younger ones, talk about getting signed. It's like... Do you even know how the business works in 2019? Yeah. Like getting signed? Like what year is it? 1989? You yeah. know, like with, with managers in limos and shit. Is that how you think things work? Like have you been watching Wayne's World a bit too much? What is it? You know, and I, oh, in fairness, I haven't heard it that much, but I've heard it occasionally and I think, dude, you're not going to get signed. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's getting signed. It doesn't work that way. You know, there's there's agreements and that's about it in place. But in terms of you getting signed in a on a deal or what have you, you know, I mean, it's, it's usually the established bands only or bands that have got a lot of hype around them, but everybody else is just an indie artist trying to, trying to break even. Yeah. You know, it's not being negative. It's just being realistic about how it is. Mm. You know? I know with, um, resurgence, but, um, one of the guys in there wants to, his dream is basically be some, be some rock star. He's like, Oh, I want to get a sign. Blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, I don't ever see that happening. The world's a lot different nowadays than what it used to be. Cause he was, I think it was about, nearly 20 years older than me I think which well probably 15 or 20 well, and he was go. in a band and now and now again he was the band he was in was like kind of big punk kind of punk rock band in Wollongong and they'll basically sign I think they'll sign to Sony at one point and he's just saying how good it was being signed to like getting money getting, uh, being given money to record and all this other stuff like that and then I was, when we were chatting about it going oh you want to get signed then I was I think look at how it is nowadays with getting signed and people were saying you're better off just doing it yourself and I was, then I went back to him chatting and we had a chat, and I was like, dude, we're better off just doing stuff ourselves and compared to getting signed. It's like, no, nah, you want to get signed, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, nah, you don't get signed. Not as good as these days as music, the way music and stuff was back then. It's a lot's changed since you were lost in a kind of 
top of the band. Yeah, starting out again to then try and get somewhere big again. There's a lot of money in the record industry still. I keep on hearing that. There's a shitload of money, possibly now more than ever, but it's concentrated mm. in the hands of a few. It's in the hands of the Beyonce's and the like. It's not in the hands of yeah. the emerging artists. And the emerging artists are mm. basically... I was talking to Danko Jones about this, actually. You know, Danko Jones, he's, he's a really good bloke, actually. And, mm. um, you know, even if people don't like his music, he's just a stand-up fella. And um, yeah. he was talking about... I said, because my perception of him was that he was basically a, a rock star. Because, you know, he has this podcast series as well and um, he's a good musician, man. And, and I just thought he was bigger than what he was and we had a conversation about it. But I was saying, well, what do you think you've got to do to get bigger? And he basically, he, he, I'll let people again listen to the full conversation in the podcast episode that's out there for people to listen to. But in a nutshell, um, what he said was you basically sign everything away to them. You give them everything and then they make you yeah. a superstar and that's the trade-off. That's the currency right there. Yeah. But if you don't do that, if you're like us and you've got a, you know, you've been around the block a couple of times because you're of age, <laughs> you're not 20, um, yeah. it's you're going to see him coming and you're just going to go, what am I going to do that for? Maybe that's yeah. the time to do it when you're 20, you know, when you don't really, you know, you've got the rest of your life to sort of rebound. Yeah. In the rest of your 20s and 30s Definitely. to rebound. But God, in my 40s, man, imagine doing that now. I'd just be like, well, that was... That wasn't fun, and that sucks. <laughs> That's how I'd think about it. I don't care about. It. I wouldn't. I mean, I would never have cared about being on covers of magazines and stuff. And but I think a lot of these young ones still see that as it's aspirational. Yeah. Um, but Which I, I th- just yeah, yeah, the younger way of thinking. Yeah, I, I a bit think, older, kind of like nah, can't be bothered. <laughs> oh, it's just too hard. It's just too much effort. Yeah. Way too much effort. Uh-huh. Who want to bloody do it? Who want to be a household name? You know, like uh-huh. I. The few that I've spoken to, like Peter Chris and stuff, like have you read their biographies about what's going on in their lives? It's not pleasant. Mm. You know, there's a shitload of pitfalls out there if you're in the industry and you have so-called success. And for the first, I tell you, the first thing I'd do, and not that it's ever going to happen, so this is a hypothetical, but first thing I'd ever do if I became like Rolling Stone style mega famous, I'd be lead a life of complete sobriety. That's the plan. Mm. Anyway, I would not touch any drugs or any alcohol. Well, I don't do drugs, but I, I, I wouldn't touch any alcohol at all so as I could remain present and just yeah. absorb everything that was going on because that seems yeah. to be the pitfall. You numb yourself to it. Um, yeah. But as I say, it's never going to happen, so, and I'm grateful for that. No, you so. never know. <laughs> well, I, look, I'm, I'm a journalist, and I'll be writing hopefully for News Limited soon, so I think um, oh, people don't really care about journalists these days, do they, unless they're writing some shit on Twitter. But... Um, you, know. you could you can make it big as a big as a journo. Well, I think the the thing about making it big as a journo these days is you've got to sort of my perception, and I could be wrong, even though I'm, I think I've got my head around this. Is uh, you know I write for news media, so regular articles that you might read about politics and stuff, but commentary, not opinion pieces. I want to stress that. Um, I don't think I'd, I just, I, I often, I think of it like this because I've got kids. I don't want their life to be impacted in any way adversely. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I'm not suggesting for a moment anything that happened to them because of me writing stuff, but you want to be present in your life, don't you? And um, I want to write a lot of articles that get read by a lot of people. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think I want to, I don't want to become a Peter Fitzsimmons or that sort of thing, if you know what I'm saying, or uh, as popular as yeah. Rita Panahai or anything like that. I don't want to get to that level where you're basically what what I'd term my words here a rock star journalist yep you know I think I'm happy to sort of sit in the sidelines and watch everybody else take the uh, take the spotlight 
I reckon it'd be pretty hard being like a rock, kind of rock star journalist, all the basically stuff you cop on the side and like threats and stuff, depending with pieces going sideways and that. I read I read some of the comments that are directed toward reader, and I've got to say I get a bit concerned as a Australian citizen. You know what I mean? Mm. I, I read some of the shit that is directed toward her on Twitter, and I know she's got a thick skin down there in Melbourne, but the comments that are directed toward her um, they're not pleasant, and I, I often think would I be able to handle that and she can handle it, but I'd, I don't know whether whether I'd want to read that about myself. And I probably the truth is, I probably wouldn't read it. That's the only way to deal with it. But I see her interacting yeah. with these idiots. Um, yeah. And putting it, she puts them in. You know what she's like. If you know her stuff, man, she really fucking puts them in their place. Um, and uh, she's not afraid of anybody. She's a bloody, she's a leopard out there. That woman. You know what I mean? Like she's just nailing yeah. them. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure it's for me. I'm not sure it's for me. Yeah, Make... could, ha- could happen. <laughs> you, we'll could like, you could do like massive music journal. I think this is as big as I'm going to get. <laughs> I mean, the irony is, twenty years ago, if you told me that I'd be interviewing the people that I've, I've that I've interviewed, I wouldn't believe you because I'd think that you'd have to be writing for the Rolling Stone. And I have spoken to uh, Hank Steiner from the Rolling Stone for a podcast episode. He's a tremendous fella. Yeah, you know, good bloke. Yeah. Um, you know, I've spoken to most of the guys in Morbid Angel. You know. Uh, oh god, there's, there's so many I forget who I've spoken to. You know, but Megadeth. You know, heaps of artists, man. That um, you know, I spoke to Phil Campbell from Motorhead the other day. I mean, these are bands that I listened to for years. And you sort of think if you do that as a kid, that it'll put you in the spotlight, but it it doesn't. <laughs> and I'm glad for it, to be honest with you, because it's all about the artists, and I try to make it all about the yeah. artists. You know, well, it should be about the artists, I reckon. Yeah, it's um, I just enjoy doing it. I've got to say, I mean, there's nothing. It's I probably think that I enjoy being a musician the most, like being up on stage performing the most, and then this is second. Yeah. If I was going to rank them, you know what it's like. You're a muso, so you get it. But uh, a lot of people who aren't musos don't get the excitement we get when we're up on stage. Yeah. Never having the crowd cheering if you're lucky or jumping along. Mate, yeah. back yeah, playing. You know. Some of the stuff, playing an elephant, we used to be called Elephant Wheelbarrow in the Valley back in the day. I mean, you were playing in front of 150 people who had all eyes on you. Um, you did get a little bit of a taste of it, you know. Um, you, you did, and, and you, you, I remember playing and looking down, and that's um, Andrew Stockdale from Wolf Mother in the front row, dancing and headbanging. And you're like, shit, we're actually doing it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> We're huge. Yeah. Oh, you just feel a bit of a buzz. It just it just gives you a lift. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just gives you a lift and that somebody that he's not there because of us, you know, he's just wandered in there because we're a covers band playing. But mm. he we we're, we're keeping him there. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're keeping him there and you know none of us had the guts to sort of say, Do you wanna come up on stage or anything like that? We should have done it actually. We saw him a couple of times. But because um, he he's he's from Brisbane originally. He's from Paddington, I think, and um I think he lives in New South Wales. I think he lives near you these days. Um, northern and the north, you know, around Nimbin, sort of Mullumbimby area there. I know it's not near you, but you know. I think, I mean. I think everyone, yeah. <laughs> I think everyone's pretty much, like you got all the, the Hemworths and bloody Byron and stuff. I think everyone's kind of coming up this way. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Byron, I've got to tell you, to be honest. It doesn't do anything. For, I'd much rather go to oh, Sunny Coast. I've, I've driven through, we've driven through, we'll stop one from being here. Because we're coming back from um, back from Queensland, and daughter needed to go to the bathroom and she was hungry, so we managed to stop there for a little bit. Like it was bizarre, <laughs> mm. going from like what, how Grafton is in that, like it was very different. 
the other times it's basically just driving through and planning on stopping but it being too busy with how popular it got to get we never really stopped but we did, we did there was like a nice little mexican place we went to which was actually that was it was actually pretty good it was, it was worth the stop i thank my daughter for needing to go to the bathroom <laughs> yeah i think they're the reasons that i've done it too i think i've taken the kids down there a couple of times i drive with, with the kids i just try to get them out of the house as often as i can so we often drive down to mullumbimbi and mugulumba just to go to cafes and shit you know stop for 45 minutes have i'll have my coffee and they have chips and a chocolate milkshake and we drive back um yeah just to do that but byron's always so busy you know and it's full of like out of towners if you know what i'm saying you know like yeah. big city people and it's just painful it's just painful and um yeah it's it's just i don't i don't not my thing to be honest man i'd much prefer to go north north to um uh, Sunshine Coast in particular, you know, Ocean Street there at Maribyrnong. That's fantastic. Anybody out there that goes to um, Byron, um, go to Maribyrnong and go to Ocean Street there. It's it's fantastic there. It's just like Byron, but without all the bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Have to check it out for sure. Cool, mate. Well, look, I better let you head off. I mean, it's uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out for the conversation here. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy with everything we've spoken about. If you are, I'm just going to release it as one of those long form conversations, as a conversation between me and you, a wonderful musician from Grafton, who's happened to hook up with a fella from Poland, and you're creating excellent killer music. I'm happy for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So. Definitely. I'll, um, I'll... Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for having me. Like I was. Yeah, like when you when you said you were gonna check it out, I was like, "Shit, <laughs> this actually might happen." I might be on, <laughs> might be on, the, might be on the podcast. Well, as I said, it doesn't happen often. I've got to be completely honest with you there. I don't try to ignore people, but uh, I get contacted. Wouldn't say regularly, but often. Um, mm. And uh, I, I just, I've done some interviews in the past that haven't been good, to be honest. And yeah. uh, they've wanted me to sort of act as PR, and I don't do that, as you can oh. tell. Um, if I get into an artist, I'll get into the artist and I'll offer a lot of praise, but it's not because I'm acting as part of the PR arm, if that makes sense. It just, I think what people like, mate, and this is the feedback I get from the vast majority of my audience is overseas. They're not in Australia. Like only 20% is in Australia. Um, they like hearing Australian accents. They like listening to Australian musicians. And they like hearing us talk about whatever we want to talk about. Um, you know, our life here in Australia, that sort of thing too. So that's why I try to broaden it and... Include a whole bunch of different things. It's bizarre with the whole Aussie music stuff. Like when we went to Ireland last year, like from like Belfast and that, listening to the radio, and just going, why are there so many Aussie artists on the radio? What the hell? I've got a, <laughs> I've crazy. actually got a big audience in Ireland. Yeah, there's, I think it's our, well, um, your surname's Ratcliffe, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, I know my mother's side of family are all Irish, so my heritage is, I'm not Irish. I want to be clear about this. I'm Aussie, but... My mother's heritage is, is Irish and uh, my father's heritage is all Scottish. So I think what there is is there's just that awareness that that's where we original, us Anglo-Celtic types, where we come from. So I think there's that, that symbiosis, if that makes sense, yeah. um, particularly with, you know, the English too. I've got a lot of fans in England. I wouldn't say fans, sorry, I don't like to call them that, just people in England that listen, Scotland, Ireland, Wales. Um, not so much Wales, actually. I don't know about that one. Yeah. Maybe I've got to learn how to speak the language. Gaelic. That's, that's, your, that's your next market. You've got you to figure out how to get to Wales. Yeah. Well, the US is the one that keeps me busy. That's half of my audience. Um, but that makes sense because that's, you know, that's where, where most, most, well, that's, you know, that's just the biggest market that there is. And I'm really appreciative of that. And I can see where people are listening from. 
and it's the same people listening over and over again, which is awesome. It doesn't matter who I interview, they're listening. Yeah, I, I, I hope they like it, and I'm really glad that they're getting something out of it. I truly, I'm thankful to them for that because you know it's nice to sort of get a couple of hundred listens on on an interview such as this one here and give you some exposure, but also give them a bit of an insight as to what we as Aussies, what we're talking about, because I imagine over there it wouldn't be the easiest thing to find a podcast with two Australians talking about music. Definitely. And a lot of it would basically be most about music. We've been talking crap most of the time. <laughs> well, a lot, of, a, lot of the, a lot of the podcasts, I've got to say, aren't, aren't that crash hot because the podcaster tries to turn into a rock star themselves. I don't yeah. know whether you've noticed that, but like... When I started this, there were two people that I was really inspired by, or three. There was um, Chris Jericho, um, Joe Rogan, and Jamie Jaster. Jamie Jaster, really in particular. And um, I like how he gets out of the way of the interview subject and he just lets them tell their story. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and, I, and I think that's really a skill, um, especially when you're interviewing a lot of these international artists that are... Um, I mean, interviewing Michael Girard tonight from Swans. I don't know whether you've heard of Swans before, but they are one of the most influential bands of all time that hardly anybody will have heard of. Um, you know, New York band, so, you know, they've influenced the influences, that sort of thing. They're like a Lou Reed, you know. They're sort of like that. And uh, to have conversations with people like that and just let them tell their story after a prompt of asking a question, man, that's that's awesome. Yeah. You know? Well, it kind of takes, it makes them more like from being this kind of music object to kind of be more human. Yeah, and I like to do that. I like to demystify because I think sometimes there's a bit of a veil. I'd love to interview Maynard from Tool, for example, and just have a regular bloke-to-bloke conversation like what we're having here now because I think some interviewers approach him like as if he's a golden dove and if you sort of scare him too much, he's going to fly away, you know, and it's bullshit. We're all people, you know. Um, I, in particular, notice that the conversations with people that also have children, they're the easiest ones. Um We've learned sacrifice. We've learned compromise. Negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> Killer, mate. All right. So what I'll do from here, I'll just send you a. Um, I'll try and do it all tonight. Actually, um, I'll. Uh, I don't. If you've listened to my episodes before, I don't put any music on. I just put it out there for people to listen to with an intro and an outro. Um, yeah, but... I actually try and listen to your, um, your podcast when I when I can because my Facebook feed's filled with crap. Was, yeah, you got publication because actually, I think I got on because I found you before, mm-hmm. um, like a little while ago, and then um, some. You no, know, I know Andy from Lord, um, and I think because I was following all that oh, yeah. new stuff, and then, yeah. then, I, then I saw the podcast as um, you did, but then I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> and I started getting, then I started getting a bit more, bit more back into you. But yeah, so when you said that you came for an interview, I was like, "Fuck, mate, <laughs> this would be sick." <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's good like, fun, mate. Yeah. Like it's pretty, it's pretty surreal. To like, having like, cause I'm not haven't done much with interviews, but like, it's been pretty, pretty surreal experience. With we've been lucky with like having you um, take your take your time out to interviews, basically no name band from Australia and Poland, and then with AMR when they interviewed as well. Like it's just the reception with that and kind of basically being like warming and kind of basically just, like having a chat as if we were like basically met each other and had beers and stuff like that. It's just, yeah, absolutely. Crazy. Yeah, the interviews like this, they're definitely like that. I mean, to be honest, I've had a beer tonight whilst we've been been chatting, and I do, I do, right. I think with these interviews, they need to be like that because mm. I don't have enough. And and like, I mean, I'll let the listener know. I mean, we we, I mean, your your approach to me was was 
um, it was great. It was good, man. You you reached out. You sent me the the links. I think you sent me the music straight away. I was able to have a listen to it before I responded. Or no, you actually you said the Vangelis thing was the thing that really caught my attention. So I thought, okay, well, look, yeah. I'm going to interact with this fella here if he's going to mention Vangelis. You sent it back to me. The music was good. It wasn't hard. And you were you were, you were what I look for too is conversational email style, i.e., not copy and paste. You know, like not yeah. that email blast bullshit. Like yeah. I, I hate that. I can't stand that. No, because it's not personal. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, for anybody out there listening who wonders why I've done this one and you sent me stuff, this is why. You know, and it's nothing against anybody else. I just, you know, fuck, I'm busy, and <laughs> you know, I've got to be a bit picky. And um, like tonight, I've had three. I've had Michael from Swans, Hansi Kirsch from Blind Guardian. I had Blind Guardian just before you, mate, and uh, now yourself. Um, they're busy nights, man, when I'm doing this and the wife's basically got to put the kids to sleep when I do this on those nights, but she's cool. She knows what I'm, what I like to do, which is this. And, uh, you know, you had, you had the, you had the right approach, man, is what I'm saying. So, um, so I appreciated that. So, uh, but let's keep in touch anyway, man. Like, you know, you're, um, I think you guys, you know, when I say you're going to do stuff, I think you've got a few more releases in you. At the very least, so I've got, I've got heaps of releases in it. So I know well, me and Raf are planning on me, on meeting up because he's moving to um, Scotland, I think in the next year or so, because we we're looking at moving to um, Northern Ireland ourselves. And I was like, oh, we'll be really, really close. You can maybe meet up. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's just across the pond there, the Irish Channel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Irish. Because like, it'd be really, it'd be really cool to like finally meet him. Like his parents are a little enigma. Like his, his profile picture is like that generic kind of. Image where it's got the grey, grey with the kind of a person. Yeah, and that's it. I've never, said, I've never, I've never seen him, his face. Never, like, never like spoken to him like on the phone or anything like that. Because um, someone was one of the interview, like, well, one of the email interviews. They were saying, "Oh, how do you guys communicate? Must be heaps of video calls and that." And I'm like, "No, nah, we basically just chew messenger." Haven't heard, haven't. I don't even know what he sounds like. I just know he's basically this little little thing will pop on my phone and there's Raf. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Well, that, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, look, people have got to get real about the way in which people use devices yeah. to communicate these days. And look, especially with us these days being digital natives, meaning that we've we've had enough in our lives to it's it's part of our technoculture. It's deeply embedded in the technoculture. So that's just how, how it works for you guys. For some people, I personally, I prefer to talk to people over the phone. Um, yeah. Because it's just the way that I like to do things. But that's not for everybody. That's not for everybody. I, I, I listen to people bang on, all oh, the kids are on devices. It's, well, they're not going anywhere, the devices. You know that? The iPhones and the iPads and the Android systems and stuff, the iOS, it's, it's not going anywhere. So you're probably in an advantage if you've worked out how to create a meaningful relationship by using these platforms. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'd say yeah. it's a strength. You know that? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, maybe his English isn't the greatest either, maybe. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but, you know... Um, He's gotten a lot better than from when I was first chatting to him. <laughs> yeah, Polish is a, <laughs> It's a harsh language. It's a bit like Russian in that it's very... Uh, uh, well, actually, I think Russian's easier, to be honest. So I think that Polish... Are the, the I've, I've only had... I've had two conversations, two or three. I've spoken to Nurgle from Behemoth mm. and Poida from Vader. And there's got to be one or two others in there, but they're Poles. You know, they're actually living in Poland, but their English is impeccable because they've toured so much and done stuff. But yeah, of uh, oh, Vogue from Decapitated. Now his English was he was trying hard, yeah, but he's just joined Machine Head. 
actually. Um, I had a conversation with him a couple of years ago. Uh, he's a, he's an awesome dude, by the way. He was he was the fella that was he and his bandmates were falsely accused of a rape in the U.S. Do you remember that story? Oh, I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that story. I remember Poor bastard. About it. I spoke to him a matter of I I don't want to get this wrong here, but it was either weeks or months before that happened. And I can tell you the first two or three minutes of that conversation, I didn't put it to air, but we were talking about dropping our respective kids off at daycare. When it broke that he was accused of that, and I had this conversation with Blitz from Overkill, I didn't believe it for a minute. Yeah. Okay, you get a sense about these things. And yeah. I did not believe it for a minute, and I really was, you know, I did say a few prayers for him, I've got to tell you, I'm, you know, I'm not religious, but I'm a spiritual man, and I did say some prayers because... Being in a foreign country, you know, being a metalhead in a prison like that, man, you're, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard, and especially being accused of something you haven't, or that you... Well, you, like the, um, the, the Rennie Black thing as well, with that, when, he, when he was in jail for that little time period. With who's that, that guy. Who's Rennie that? Black? No, tell me. Lamb of God. Which band is he from? Lamb of God. Oh, oh Randy Bly, yeah, I read his book, of course. Yeah. Sorry, mate, yeah. Because um, <laughs> well, when, when I saw that, you watched watch the, the video clip thing where he basically like kind of pushed him down, and the next second he's gone, being done for like manslaughter and shit. It's just like, what? <laughs> well, Randy's, Randy's a stand-up guy as well. I've never spoken to Randy, but I read that book, and he didn't have to go back to Czechoslovakia, uh, Czech Republic sorry, to, to face those charges. He could have hidden behind lawyers in the US, but he went back there, and he faced the family of that poor kid that got killed at the show and i really admired him for that you know that because that was you know that's definitely he says it in his book if you've read that book but spoiler alert he says that that's really affected his outlook he's not as happy anymore because of that experience you know Mm. but he didn't shirk his responsibility and in that way his conscience is clear you know well i hope it is i mean i I don't know whether it is but you know i hope it is because he says that in the in the book too he, he talks about how he had his own conversation with the family of the, the young fella that died. And it's tragic, man. I mean, this young fella's going out to enjoy himself and was probably none the wiser about what was going on. And, you know, Rand, Randy handled that like a man, I've got to say, you know. Um, I think it'd be tough, you know, I think it'd be tough for any artist. I mean, you and I are up on stage. You know, we've accidentally kicked microphone stands off into the crowd and they've clocked people in the head years ago, years ago, but nothing's come of it but you often do think fuck what's going to happen next you know mm. you know so. it was like with the whole limp biscuit thing with that um chicken crushed oh, I, believe me i've got my own opinions on that i hate the fucking big donuts <laughs> and i can't stand limp biscuit either to be honest with you i just personally i just all the bro boy culture of that era mate was just so toxic you know mm. i mean they're going so around. like that that was like a, that was like a huge thing when that when that all happened yeah. So remember I saw them at with a sound wave and they did a dedication to it and all that. And I was just like, like I get that it happened, but I was kind of like, they're still kind of milking this. Like, let it, yeah. Let it, let, it, let it go. If I was Fred, I probably just wouldn't have come back to Australia, to be honest with you. Because he did act like a jerk when he was here. There's no doubt about it. And I'm not suggesting for a moment that he individually contributed toward that young lady's death. Jessica Michalak is that younger lady's name. She's Polish heritage, I think. Or she might have been born in Poland or her parents are born Polish. But, I mean, she didn't. Nobody deserves to die that way, you know. I mean, this is a young lady yeah. who's going to a gig. I mean, that that lineup was just toxic that year, though. I mean, Limp Biscuit headlining it, give me a break. You know, I mean, they were. I remember the fans that I remember being in bands back in those days, and every 
felt like every second or third person that turned up wanted the band to sound like Limp Biscuit, and I I never liked that music. Mm. You know, I've tried to be respect. I've done reviews of Limp Biscuit, like when they played it download, and I've tried to be respectful of what they were doing, mainly mainly from the musician's perspective. But you know, Fred's acted like a jerk in the past, and I think Al Jorgensen got him got him good for the rest of us. Have you read Al Jorgensen's biography before? No. I've got to tell you this story then. Okay, just quickly. Um, <laughs> it's so hilarious. But but Limp Bizkit were covering Thieves by you know the great song by Ministry off the Mind is a terrible terrible thing to taste, and they yeah. kind of made it their own. It's actually not a bad version to be honest with you. But but I think Fred wanted to take it a step further, and he wanted to basically sound like Al. Now, Al saw him coming. Al's, I've spoken to Al as well. Al's a wonderful guy to talk to, really cool guy to talk to, just so funny. And he's really genuine and down-to-earth too, despite his ferocious pers- um, reputation. But he um, he was in a studio with him, with Fred, and Fred's trying to get him, and he's got the same vocal effect on. And Al's suggesting all of these ways in which he can get the vocal effect because it wasn't actually happening. Because, of course, you fucking can't do it. I mean, Al's voice is Al's voice. Unless you've got Al's voice, you're not going to sound like Al Jorgensen. Anyway, he uh, <laughs> he he eventually got him to strip down naked and he was paying him out saying he had this tiny little dick and he's jumping up and down and he's making all these suggestions that had nothing to do with how you achieve the sound. Al's saying, oh, I do this to get this sound and I do that. They've got nothing to do with vocal technique. They've got all to do with taking his clothes off and shit. And he, Al was saying that the engineer clued onto what he was doing to Fred Durst. And, yeah. and was, they, were having, they, were, he was just, they were pissing themselves laughing as this idiot was... <laughs> As this guy, Fred Durst, was was naked, jumping up and down with his, uh, quoting, paraphrasing him, but his tiny little dick in this vocal booth trying to get the same vocal effect as what Al gets. And I thought, oh, good on God. you, Al. You got him from the rest of us. Because I, I just, you know, that whole Limp Bizkit thing back in the day was just awful. And, you know, their fans were just assholes too back in the day too. Like, I mean, they were very, they were... I've been to heaps of death metal gigs and had nothing happen to me, but I reckon if I went to any one of those new metal gigs, um, you know, like the way that they mosh and they treat it as like a hurt session, a hurt locker. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, I don't know that. And then, and then, you know, when they did that thing at Soundwave, I mean, I'd, I'm with, I'm kind of with you on that one. I, I sort of think, um, you know, you can't bring back a life. So you, I I would never go to pay to watch them. The only reason I was, I mean, I I get given tickets to go to these things to do reviews, you know. Um, but if I saw Limp Biscuit on a on a Limp Biscuit corn and all that sort of shit, man, I just wouldn't go to. It's not my thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah, like I was, back in the back in the day, like I was a fan of Limp Biscuit because it's like they're freaking huge, and I was like, I love Lincoln Park. Of Lincoln Park, so I kind of got into some of their stuff, but I wasn't like. I wasn't a massive, massive fan of Limp Bizkit. Like, I had little, had little, my little corn phase as well, and little, like little new, me- little new metal phases. But yeah, I've always kind of stick true to more the, more the kind of hard rock metal, and then kind of branching into more, the more melodic stuff as well. Yeah, I, I'm with Trace Bruins from Mr Bungle, who said that if you see bands like Corn and stuff up, oh, no, I shouldn't say this, but I will say it. Okay, but I just, okay, I say that I found it funny what he said because I think Mr Bungle are just one of the greatest bands ever. Um, and Trace Bruins in particular is just a just a seriously outstanding and over you know he's you know, king for a day, fool for a lifetime by Faith No More that he played guitar on. Great album. He's just such a killer guitarist. But 
his comments were because Corn were saying that Mr. Bungle are one of the reasons they became a band. And he's going, fuck that. (laughs) Like, I hate that stuff. If you see these guys up on stage, pick up rocks and start throwing them at them, the bigger the better. And, (laughs) okay, I don't think he meant them people. He might have been serious because, you know, it's Trace Bruin saying that. But I I like the fact that he wasn't taking their credit that he was giving Mr. Bungle. He's saying, I can't stand your music and I'd be basically a hypocrite if I took the compliment. So I'm not going to take it. And then there were stories of Corn bringing Bud Light or... Uh, Cause Light or whatever it was on tour with them in Belgium. Belgium's like the beer capital of the fucking world. I think I heard about that. Yeah, it's incredible. Like going to Denmark and Belgium and Holland and stuff. And I mean, that part of Europe, you know, Western Europe, going to any mm. country in Western Europe, they're basically where beer was invented. Um, and bringing over beer as shit as any of the mainstream American brands. Give us a mm. break, for God's sakes. That's just go and get some culture into your lads. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm reading that from for, for going finding some article that was talking about um, some of the, the kind of big bands with the kind of stupid list of stuff they wanted to be able to play the festivals. And I'm saying I don't think I, yeah I think that was pretty sure the Cormas on there with that one was basically bringing crap American beer to Europe. <laughs> like, I, I couldn't believe it when I read it. I read it in the early 2000s, and I, even back then I shook my head because I'm one of those guys. I don't have a single beer. I like to get a different one every time. Right now I've got Corona. Tomorrow it might be Forex, you know. I mean, they're the mainstream brands I know, but I'm always going. I like craft beers. I don't. I go into. I, I, you know, there's some beer from Sydney that's brewed in Manly using seawater by Nomad. I'll drink that. That's killer. You know, I love. Yeah, there's pineapple beer. There's all sorts of shit out there these days. It's awesome, you know. And to think that, you know, and and Europe is always like that. Europe always had a craft beer culture. To think a band would it it. I'm trying to think of what it'd be. It'd be like touring Australia and importing steak and seafood. You know what I mean? They're the two main foods that we've got here. It'd be the same, well, equivalent the, to that. In, in the defense of the band, it probably would have come here originally anyway. Yeah. Where our export stuff go. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> then crazy. Bring it, bring it, then bring it back in. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I'll never forget when I was in San Francisco and on their famous Fisherman's Wharf and guess where the seafood came from that I was eating? Right here, Queensland. Um, <laughs> you, you're like, wow, it's a global economy i get that but holy shit i thought i was in the good old united states and just i guess their trade agreements and stuff that to your exact point makes it cheaper for them to import australian product and produce their own Mm. you know it is mate well look what i'll do from here is uh look if you're comfortable with everything i am too occasionally you've got to throw some stuff out there like what we've been talking about and no, you know, it's all good. It's just opinions. That's all it is. You know, we're allowed to have an opinion because guess what? We live in a democracy, and um, yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll just post it, mate, and then I'll send it to you via email. Not oh, easy. If you have to send it to me by email, I can basically if you just post it and tag the band, or and then I'll basically share it and stuff from there. If you you, you do have your Facebook page, don't you? I'll do that. I will do yeah, the yeah, exact yeah. thing. Yep. Yeah, I'll try. I won't do that tonight because hardly anybody will see it. I'll do it tomorrow morning. I mean, I'll do it tonight. Right. If you want to go onto my page, you'll see it tonight. But I'll post it on fo- socials tomorrow morning when I wake up. That's the golden hour. Yeah, no, I, I find it better basically with like a page or something that shares. Well, Pat posts something and then us sharing it because it kind of falls on from there as opposed to us just basically getting it and then doing our own post. I find the I find a share more better Powerful. than basically just. Yeah, more, yeah, more, yeah, more powerful. <laughs> yeah, it is. And then, no. Yeah, compared to just compared to just doing because with the time difference of Raf, it actually happened where he shared a, he he had an email about a review. 
he posted it from the, their link. I didn't see it, but then I shared it as well on our wall. And then I looked at it and gone, what the hell? And then I was like, ah. Oh. And then I got, basically got rid of his one. And he was like, I was like, oh, I didn't know I got the review. And he's like, oh, yeah, I woke up through the middle of the night because I couldn't sleep, saw it, and then posted it. And I was like, she just shared it from the from their from their page. He's like, oh, why? They emailed it to us. I'm like, yeah, but it's more powerful than to share it from there. Like, it, mm. gives, it basically brings that whole stupid Facebook algorithm you crap with basically their fans will see a bit from us and then our fans will see a bit of their thing. Like, yeah, I agree. Stupid cycle, that works. Yeah, no, no, I agree. It's 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 one of those, um, everybody has their own views on these sorts of things as well. You know what I mean? But I, I actually 100% agree with you. If I if I post it on mine and just tag you in and then you find it and then share it that way, that way, the you know, you, I mean, the link will be there for you to share it individually or just share my post. Either way, you've then got, you've got the power to do whatever you want with it. You know? He'll be sharing. <laughs> share, 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 share. <laughs> well, let's keep in touch, mate. Um, just you know, if you, yeah, when have sure. you got when have you got new music out? I mean, it just hit me up. This has been a really good chat. Um, yeah, no, and, I definitely hit you up, man. And we'll, we'll do it again, man. But uh, you know, good luck with everything, to say the least, man. I think you've got a great out, great three track EP here, and uh, man, more power to you guys for being able to what being able to do what you've been able to do from across the globe. Yeah, and I'll definitely be trying to squeeze a pyramid into the next artwork for you. Just for you. <laughs> I'd appreciate that. I'll look for it. <laughs> no obligation, though. Does of course. Art, no obligation. Does artwork just giant picture of a pyramid? It's like, yep. <laughs> yep. You did it. See? <laughs> I think that's for you. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, well, thanks for having me, man. Thanks, brother. No worries. I'll chat to you soon. All right. See ya. Thanks, mate. Catch ya. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name, it's Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was Joshua Ratcliffe from the progressive metal outfit Chaos over Cosmos. Thanks so much for listening.